Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm a yoga teacher with over 15 years of experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. Once you listen to today's episode, visit my website at barebonesyoga.com for free resource guides for teachers. Download any and all of them, including one of my most popular tools, my sequence building template. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen today. Let's get into today's episode. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 135. So I am recording this on Monday, June 14th, 2021. And um, I actually am, this is probably the first time, matter of fact, I know it's the first time that I'm recording this and really just talking off the cuff, spontaneously just sharing information with you. And I only mention that because um, I want to just give you a sense of, uh, you know, this idea of getting comfortable with um, the content that you're teaching so that you, you really can just you know, show up and share what you know, and, you know, hopefully do it in a way that really reflects that you love what you're sharing. And I certainly hope for those of you who have listened to the podcast multiple times, um, that you get a sense that I am just completely, you know, just into sharing this information, anatomy information, uh, for yoga teachers and, and not just sharing the information, but sharing it so that you can then apply it to your teaching via the cues and the sequences and the conversations that you have with your students. And so that you can do all of that really confidently. So today I'm just, I don't even wanna say I'm flying blind cause I'm definitely not flying blind. Um, it's just really kind of a, a, a spontaneous conversation with you about a particular topic. And um, the topic was inspired by a private session I taught last week. And I'm gonna get into what that was all about in a moment. What I wanna do, um, I wanna start out by, I guess the first thing is just acknowledging that it is Monday. <laughs> and I know sometimes Mondays can be challenging. I hope you had a good weekend. I had a really great weekend because my parents came to visit me here in Boston. And I literally have not seen them in two years because the pandemic, of course, made it impossible for us to get together. And prior to that, there were a number of family uh, things happening that were making it difficult for us to get together. So it was really, really great to see them. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, my mom in particular, who has both a total shoulder replacement and a total knee replacement, has actually been having some mobility challenges. Um, and my dad started to have some neck pain a couple of days prior to arriving. So I actually got to, you know, work with them around both of what their concerns were. And my mom was actually joking around. She went into my home studio 
and, you know, was looking at the skeleton and was asking me questions. So, you know, again, this kind of information, it just is always, you know, uh, something that you're going to access as a teacher. And especially when it comes to sharing information with people that you love and being able to help them uh, in a particular way via being a yoga teacher, sharing yoga, understanding the mechanics of the body, that is just something that will really give you, uh, if it hasn't already, will really give you joy. So I hope you also had a really good weekend. The other thing I wanted to touch on is yesterday I closed enrollment uh, for this month for my signature program, which is the Blueprint Learning Program. And I mentioned it in the podcast last week. And if you were interested in enrolling but didn't, I would really love to know why. Um, this is always, you know, good information for me to have in terms of what is blocking yoga teachers from taking the next step in their teaching when it comes to learning anatomy. And I'm going to kind of tell you what I think might be one of two of one of two scenarios might be in the way for you. This is most commonly what I hear from people. The first thing I hear is I don't have the time to complete an online program. And the other scenario I hear is I don't have the money right now to invest. And so I would love to hear from you. Uh, and this really is just applicable to someone who's out there who really wanted to invest in the program, but didn't for one of the two reasons I just mentioned or a different reason. It's really helpful for me to get that feedback because it allows me to customize the offer going forward so that I can give you something <laughs> that's gonna meet the mark because ultimately I wanna help as many teachers as possible learn anatomy. I every week get emails from teachers telling me really crazy, insane stories about how lacking their um, 200 hour training was in regards to teaching anatomy. And the thought of teachers being out there, not understanding anatomy because they weren't properly trained and trying to figure it out on their own, you know, that's the main reason I created this program because I know that that kind of self-study process happens, is happening, and I also know it's not working. So um, let me know, especially if you saw my offer last week to enroll in the Blueprint Learning Program and you didn't, why you did not. Now, because I um, know from talking to some teachers already that I don't have the time to, uh, to invest in completing a program right now, or I don't have the money, because I know that those were two barriers, I have a new mini opportunity, mini program for you this week that I want you to consider. Over the pandemic, I created a practice portal and I did it primarily because I wanted to give people a way to practice at home because of course the studios were closed. I sold it as a monthly membership and, and uh, people paid $10.99 a month and I kept updating the portal with new sequences, new meditations, um, review of research, uh, journal exercises. It's really a whole number of different things. Uh, anatomically based sequences, sequences where I really focus on specifics in anatomy, some of which we'll talk about today when we talk about seeing people in private sessions. 
over the past month, I decided to flip it from a monthly membership to just a one-time investment. And this really, as a practice uh, platform, is a way that as a teacher, you could see the outcome and result of understanding anatomy by basically accessing the sequences and even just watching them, even if you didn't practice to them, but you actually could obviously practice to them. Plus you get access to a number of workshops I did last summer. Plus you get, of course, to hear the anatomically based cues. So it's a really good mini program to give you some um, exposure to the end result when you put the time in to learn anatomy. Now it's not gonna teach you anatomy like my program is, but I thought it could be interesting for those of you who are um, feeling challenged around investing in a full program right now, it might give you a sense of, well, I'm doing something. I'm doing something that's more structured than just buying books. That's more structured than just looking through YouTube videos. So here's the deal. When you go on my website, barebonesyoga.com, you'll see the link to the practice portal right there on the homepage. It's the first page you get to when you go to my website. The new price is just $99. And for this week only, I'm offering 30 slots at that $99 price. So that's all you would ever pay. And there's almost a hundred different sequences in there right now. Now, as you start to go through that, if you decide, you know what, I really wanna learn the anatomy that would allow me to teach anatomical sequences like this, create them, cue confidently, cue correctly, answer student questions. You know, when you start to go through this, I think it's going to really get your brain thinking um, and you'll start to gain momentum. And momentum is what propels you forward, even if you're taking small steps along the way. The bottom line is the money you invest in the, in the practice portal, I will credit you that when you're ready to invest in my signature program, the Blueprint Learning Program. So you're essentially going to get $99 off the Blueprint Learning Program enrollment cost when you invest in that. In the meanwhile, you'll have access to the practice portal and you can you know, have access to that as long as you want. You'll have lifetime access once you invest in it. The other thing to keep in mind is it's a really good opportunity if you do feel a little crunched for time right now. Unlike the Blueprint Learning Program, where you're learning anatomy lessons in a step-by-step -step way, the Practice Portal you can access in kind of whatever way you want, whatever, some days you have time to practice for yourself, or some days you have time to spend 15 minutes at your desk doing some learning of anatomy, you can access the portal at that point. So it's a really kind of, um, you know, unstructured way to begin to add to your education on anatomy. And I think for some of you, that might actually be the perfect scenario for right now. So again, go to the website right there on the homepage, practice portal, $99. When you click the link, you can read all about it. Some of which I've discussed here, but there's more information there as well. And there are 30 seats, 30 slots this week only at that price. And then it's gonna bump up a little bit. So I hope that sounds interesting to you. And you know, at the end of the day, I'd love to know if you wanted to invest in the Blueprint Learning Program and you didn't, 
why not? Because my goal is to help as many teachers as possible. So having said that, let me get into today's episode in terms of um, what inspired this episode. So I had a chance recently to teach a private uh, student online, and this student came to me with some really specific issues around lower back pain, and specifically sacroiliac pain. So I'm sure that many of you have heard of the SI joint, are familiar with it, at least to the extent that it seems to get a lot of press in terms of um, kind of a misnomer personality, if that makes any sense, in terms of uh, it being an unstable joint, which really, <laughs> when you understand anatomy, is really kind of unbelievable because just the mere fact of its placement is a testament to its stability, not instability. It is at the base of the spine. It is at the junction of your two pelvic bones. And the joint itself is the combination of your two pelvic bones and the sacrum. It is completely shored up by some of the strongest ligaments in your body. And um, so, you know, I think that part of what I really like to do when I work with teachers is start to uncover what some of those beliefs are that they have around anatomy. And some of these beliefs are really deeply rooted into cues that teachers have been saying for years that really don't have a basis in anatomy that are, are you know, based on other things. And some things are actually just kind of somebody said it once and then somebody said it again because they heard it from that person and on and on and on. And without really understanding the why behind what you're saying, it's really difficult to then explain it to somebody. And for you as a teacher, if you're walking around thinking the SI joint is really unstable, you can for sure bet that that's going to come across in your teaching. When you're doing certain postures, especially postures that are twisting postures, you might be cueing people in a way that is asking them to be careful or don't do this or don't do that. And now all of a sudden we're triggering our students to have this, you know, kind of concern or even dare I say fear around a particular part of the body getting injured when they do a particular pose. As teachers, like that's not really teaching. That's just kind of fear mongering. And it'd be much better and appropriate for us as teachers to be teaching from the positive rather than teaching from the negative, which all of that really is. So this particular student came to me and she was having SI joint pain and she had been to a physical therapist. So I got to have a conversation with her about the source of her injury. And the physical therapist had honed in on her QL, which is the quadratus lumborum. Now I'm not gonna go into all of the anatomy of the QL, but the primary function of the QL is side bending. It also has a role in pelvic stability because it literally connects to the pelvis as well as uh, several of the lumbar vertebrae and the lower rib. So the QL as a muscle is a really good example of literally just look at the origin and the insertion. And you're going to have like a huge revelation about not only its function, but some activities of daily living that could be problematic for the QL. One of which is prolonged sitting. And as it turned out, when I began this private session with this student, we got into a long, not a long, but we got into a conversation about the QL itself, 
habits that this person had, what those habits were tied to, primarily working a lot. And I was able to start out with a little brief mini in-service about the QL in general, and then tie it back to several suggestions for this person around lifestyle. I don't want to say changes, but suggestions, really easy things that this person could do um, to alter the, their physical shape um, from one where they're constantly sitting to doing other things and, and different ways that they could um, prompt themselves to do that. And, and, you know, if you have an Apple watch, you know that the Apple watch prompts you when you sit too long. This person did not have one, so we came up with some other ideas. The point being, um, you know, I really needed to understand anatomy in order to start out this session by having this conversation with the student in really understandable terms. You know, this is not the kind of scenario where you can fall back on just teaching this person complicated poses using Sanskrit and, you know, poses that are going to require a lot of joint mobility. You know, these kinds of conversations really require you to have an ability to boil things down to what a a person is going to understand right off the bat. What's going to sound easy to implement? What are changes that are going to sound palatable to the person? So it's not like you're saying to someone who, let's say for instance, you know, has a high degree of stress, oh, I want you to meditate 45 minutes a day. That's completely unreasonable. No one's going to do that. So understanding anatomy as the basis, as the foundation, gives you ways that you can come up with creative solutions to offer people so that they can build a healthier physical body in ways that don't require heavy lifting from kind of the mental standpoint. So once I went over that with this student, I then decided in my head on the fly, right? On the fly, because uh, I didn't really know a lot of this prior to meeting with this person, what kinds of things we were going to do and you can bet it was not kind of the quote unquote standard yoga flow we didn't do any sun salutations it was really chunking things out from the standpoint of a traditional sequence and doing things somewhat separately it was a lot of focus on activation of the gluteus maximus as a way to address the uh, effects of prolonged sitting there were several postures where we were involved in doing side bending or where she was involved in doing side bending because side bending is the main function of the QL. So, you know, without going into kind of all the detail of it, what I want to um, kind of share with you as an overall theme that comes out from this particular case study is that anatomy knowledge is the foundation and then the translation of that in this case into a customized sequence for a private student is one expression of that knowledge and you know again i want to just really really emphasize uh, on the expression of anatomy knowledge in in my mind is has so much less to do with teaching kind of standard yoga flows where you're teaching people a bunch of like postures with binds and you know using sanskrit and again nothing against sanskrit but 
using um, or offering postures that require a lot of joint mobility like lotus you know understanding anatomy as a foundation gives you the ability and the confidence and the skill to be able to on the fly create a customized sequence that is so highly accessible now if you're out there and you really don't want to teach accessible yoga and you really want to teach yoga that is niche focused meaning focusing on students who have a high degree of mobility who are young who are extremely flexible you're probably going to offer a lot of you know the postures that require double binds and a lot of arm balances and you know lotus poses and variations that require a lot of hip and knee mobility and knee mobility not in the sagittal plane which is how the knee is designed to move but instead in the transverse plane so you know again there's nothing wrong with that the main thing though is to understand that when you niche down to teaching in that way accessibility to your yoga goes down too because there is no denying that our lifestyle choices and when i say our i mean most of the people you're going to meet are living lifestyle choices that are having an impact on their body and most of that impact shows up in kind of the standard ways when we look at the exercise science data we see things like you know high degree of low back pain in people um high degree of um, hip immobility from you know hip flexor tightness uh creating low back arch you know there's a number of different things serratus anterior weakness uh hunching forward falling forward head jutting forward all of these things are not just things that you see in a handful of people they're generally things you see in all people and if you take that as kind of the standard and try to put that person through the paces of a sequence that's complex in terms of its ask of the joints it's going to just basically reinforce a lot of really bad movement patterns in that i don't want to say bad but unhealthy movement patterns in in that person so having said that i want to just kind of run through a couple of other scenarios i actually used these in a recent training uh, that i ran and i thought they would make good kind of fodder for this conversation so scenario one is let's say that you're seeing a student privately and it's an older student who has not practiced yoga in many years and is generally deconditioned so i want you to just think for a moment how would you approach that kind of thing so one of the first things when when you think about working with somebody older is you have to and you know older is kind of a uh it's hard to say like what exact age we're talking about here you can look at people like i'm 56 and compared to other 56 year olds i might have maybe more mobility just because of my um pra yoga practice that might be something that gives me a little more mobility and flexibility but let's even go beyond somebody in their 50s. Let's talk about somebody in their 60s or 70s. Um, it's really hard to just use a number is my point. You really have to kind of look at the person and get a sense of what is the scenario? What is this person's condition that I'm meeting with 
to a certain extent, regardless of age, but then of course age will factor in and it's obviously good to know that. So when you're working with an older student, and in this example, I actually said the person's deconditioned, there are a couple things to consider. Obviously, you want to be sure that they've been cleared by their physician to practice yoga, and you want to know, have they ever practiced yoga before? You know, similar to working with someone who's, uh, who's pregnant, you know, somebody starting yoga for the very first time during pregnancy is a different situation than someone who's had a yoga practice and now they're pregnant. They're going to have a much better ability to kind of modify things and, you know, change things up as they go along versus someone who's pregnant and brand new. So that's just something to keep in mind if you have any prenatal students that are coming to your private sessions. For an older student, uh, you know, let's take someone who maybe has some familiarity with yoga, but has not practiced in a while. One of the, you know, the basic challenges of kind of the typical yoga flow is the requirement to go from standing positions to the ground in kind of a rapid pace. Even if you were to slow it down, there still is that going down to the ground coming up. And we see this, of course, in sun A's and sun B's. So working with someone like this really requires that we, you know, kind of move beyond that and, and instead look for what are the specific issues and needs that this student has and how can we pull out of, let's say a standard sequence we might be teaching, a standard sequence we might kind of have in our repertoire. What am I gonna pull out of that and have this person focus on? And of course, one of the other factors to keep in mind is you're going to ask the person what would they like to work on? Now, someone who is older, someone who is deconditioned, in addition to the concern about going from down to up, so things like from plank to up dog to down dog to jumping forward or even walking forward and then standing, in addition to concerns around that, the other group of postures that is going to be really beneficial for the person to do, however, might require some modification are standing balances. Even with that, though, it it is so important that standing balances be part of this person's uh, sequencing because the just the mere act of standing in a one-legged balance is going to give them so many opportunities to strengthen the outer hip muscles, so mainly gluteus medius and gluteus minimus. And QL, interestingly enough, because again, the QL touches the pelvis, so it's got that connection there to creating level hips because it literally, you know, is on the pelvis. Um, but the other thing that balancing is going to do is strengthen that neuromuscular connection. You know, that, that ability of our nervous system to not only, you know, kind of stay in control of our limbs in space, but the ability of our nervous system to recruit muscles that are necessary for the balance to stay balanced, right? And also to integrate what cues you're giving into what they're actually doing. So standing balances with someone who's older and a bit deconditioned is really, they're really, really good to include. And you can absolutely modify them by having the person hold onto a chair or hold on to the wall. So they're, you know, really, really good to do uh, in that modified way to give the person the benefit. Um, now, in addition to, you know, the first thing I was saying was kind of 
break down the flow so you're not having them go from down to up. Second thing, having them focus on doing some balancing postures. The other aspect that you can factor in is think about starting them in some stable way, sitting on a chair or sitting on a block. That might be a little challenging given their overall mobility, but keep in mind, you know, while you may think, oh, well, I'll start this person on their back, they may have some difficulty getting up from being on their back. As people get older, sometimes as their mobility decreases, it's not so easy for them to go from being on the back to rolling over to the side, to coming up to seated, to standing up. You may do it unconsciously and not even think about it, but someone who's older might really be having a hard time doing that. So that's something to keep in mind. That's why sitting in a chair can be really helpful and guiding them through at the start of practice, just some seated deep breathing exercises, some pranayama is a wonderful way to start. And it's a good way for you to start to get them connected to breathing and moving in some sort of pattern along with, you know, that synchronicity they'll begin to also feel hopefully the benefits of stimulating the parasympathetic nervous system, which is the, the calm side of the nervous system, offloading excess carbon dioxide through deep breathing. So that will you know, impact the, the nervous system and start to kind of bring the tone down. And so all of that gives the person you know, a sense that, wow, this is, I'm just feeling so good. And that can be, you know, a huge positive thing to feel as they, you know, begin to embark on this, on this yoga program with you. So those are some suggestions for working with someone that presents like that. Let's take a look at a different one. So the next one is a college athlete who plays soccer and has been cleared by his doctor to practice after breaking his ankle. So you notice I said they were cleared by their doctor, so we don't have to worry about that. So the issue now is what kinds of things are you going to do with someone who's broken their ankle? So one of the things to think about is, you know, and this is again, where sometimes yoga teachers are living under, you know, kind of this rule of thumb or living with guidelines that are really not grounded in anatomy, but there are sometimes things that people say, and we just kind of assume they're true. And, you know, this has to do with that thing that we say to, to students, oh, just take it easy and listen to your body. You know, and this typically is said when someone comes to us, let's say before class, and in this scenario, maybe they say to us, hey, just want to let you know, I had an ankle injury. I've been cleared by my doctor. It was a, let's say it was a strain or a sprain or even a break or even a tear of a ligament, something along those lines. Um, typically what a yoga teacher would say is, oh, you know, great. Thanks for letting me know. Just take it easy and listen to your body. Now, I don't think a lot of people are going to argue with that. <laughs> They're probably going to think, yeah, that's really good advice. That's what you should do. The one thing though, to keep in mind is if you want to heal and strengthen a part of your body that has been injured, guess what? You're going to have to go through a little bit of discomfort and dare I even say pain in order to get to the other side of it. And so, you know, that kind of quote unquote yoga adage to just kind of take it easy and listen to your body in a way is not great advice. What's more appropriate is to think about structured ways that are safe, that 
progress the person safely to you know whatever it is in this case putting full weight on the injured ankle now again we have to keep in mind our scope of professional practice is not to treat is not to treat pain is not to address pain i think though what this conversation what i hope it does for you is i really want you to think about the things you say as a teacher and if you really know the why behind it because that kind of blurb that oftentimes is offered up to students oh just take it easy listen to your body that's really oh it's really not grounded in science or anatomy it's really like something that teachers say and while there might be some truth to it and some appropriateness to it for a particular student keep in mind if a student hears that that's basically probably what they're going to do i'm not saying they should be pushing themselves to the point of pain but it's part especially if you're working with someone privately part of what we can offer somebody giving them safe ways to um to strengthen it and with that strengthening might of course come some feedback uh from the muscles from the tendons from the ligaments from the soft tissue in general you know that it's a little bit uncomfortable and that's why we you know obviously want the feedback from our students and when you're working with someone privately it's super easy to get much harder to to monitor in a group practice group class so for this particular person now that i've kind of addressed that particular issue one of the things that comes to mind of course is balancing postures it's a little different scenario than the one i talked about earlier in scenario one with the older person that's deconditioned this is now someone who's a college athlete who has an who had an ankle injury and you want them to do balancing again to strengthen that ankle that they you know maybe have a non-weight bearing on maybe has some swelling um you know maybe has discomfort of one kind or another so balancing postures you know kind of whatever you consider part of the balancing posture family would be fine you could do the same modification that you're that you did with the older student and that have them hold on to the wall or a chair uh, as a way to kind of progress them to doing standing balances, you know, without holding on to something. The other thing that can be really helpful for a person like this, which again only works when you're seeing them privately, is to work with some resistance bands. Now, some of this comes from my exercise science background, not necessarily my yoga teaching background, but I'll just add it in there. You know, if you have somebody with an ankle injury, uh, I'm not going to go into all the techniques, but just conceptually think about using an exercise band, having them wrap the band around the bottom of the foot and work the uh, foot and ankle through flexion, um, through dorsiflexion and plantar flexion, uh, as well as inversion and eversion. That can be really helpful for the joint. You know, the, uh, the foot has 26 bones in it. Um, there's a, a number of ligaments and tendons there. So, you know, working with a resistance band can strengthen all of that. The other thing that can be really helpful is to use myofascial release on the plantar fascia. So the bottoms of the feet have that whole thick band of fascia that runs from the heel of the foot up to the base of the toes. And 
you know, just normal weight bearing can tend to aggravate that, you know, the kinds of shoes you're wearing can tend to aggravate that. But certainly if you've had an ankle injury, it can be, you know, affected negatively in a variety of ways, even if you've been non-weight bearing. So, and the other thing is, uh, Myofascial release is a really good way to stimulate blood flow and hydration to a particular part of the body. And that's definitely something that when you have somebody with an ankle injury and they have swelling, you know, increasing blood flow and circulation is going to be a great way to kind of move some of the metabolic waste out of the area, you know, decrease swelling by moving the, the area of concern so that the circulation is enhanced, you know, just as a little sidebar back years ago, people would typically ice an area of concern, um, let's say a strain or a sprain, but now there's a lot of uh, physical therapists and, and physicians who are cutting back on the use of ice because they're recognizing that freezing an area freezes those tissues and along with it, any inflammation and the byproducts of inflammation that might be in the area. So mobility is always, you know, such a good thing to do from a healing perspective, which is, you know, which is why now when people have things like hip replacements and knee replacements, they're up and out of bed as soon as possible. So that's scenario two. Uh, we talked a little bit about using balancing, using exercise bands, using myofascial release. Again, these are all unique ways to approach things, but definitely possible to do when you work with someone privately. And then the last scenario I'll take a look at or we can take a look at is a middle-aged woman who wants to practice yoga for stress relief. So this would be an opportunity if someone presented to you with this concern or, or this um, question or, or desire around their yoga practice from a, from a goal uh, standpoint, you know, without being a counselor or getting too much into it, you might just get some feedback from them around, well, what's the source of the stress? Give me an idea of how this stress shows up. So you can get a sense of, let's say somebody says, well, I'm really having a hard time sleeping and it's because I have a lot going on at work. Well, that might give you a sense or an idea as to what kinds of things you can offer this person and do with this person in your private sessions that would address stress, uh, specifically as it relates to getting a good night's sleep. You know, if you have some background on sleep hygiene practices, um, there's a lot that you can certainly suggest and offer to the person that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with yoga, but certainly falls under the umbrella of wellness. You know, this is where our role as yoga teachers, you know, is, I think, appropriately expanded to one of sort of, you know, coaching people through a particular health challenge. But again, we have to do it in a way where we really are respecting our professional boundaries and not be taking on more than is appropriate for us, referring to other professionals when we need to, and definitely from a musculoskeletal standpoint, not treating somebody, not, you know, uh, making recommendations for drugs to take even over-the-counter drugs. But having said all that, you know, there's a lot we can offer someone like this, even just from the perspective of breathing exercises, as well as different techniques you can use during Shavasana. There's, you know, even if you're not going to get into energetics, maybe that's not your thing, you're not really comfortable or, or knowledgeable about, you know, the chakra system or even different techniques around pranayama. One of the things, again, as you understand anatomy, you can focus on is 
taking people through a guided meditation of the body that literally has them focusing on different parts of the body. This, you know, might sound like, well, how is that going to address stress relief? <laughs> but you'd be amazed shifting somebody's focus to their physicalness, right? Their physical body can be a tremendous relief from somebody who is constantly caught up in thought. And so that's a good thing to end your private session with for someone like this, a guided meditation that's focusing on different parts of the body. In terms of the practice itself, you know, this might be someone where if they can tolerate it uh, and they have the physical mobility to do it, they might actually really benefit and enjoy a little bit more of a vigorous practice where you are taking them through sun A, sun B, you know, a little bit more of a standard sequence. Um, that ability to kind of get the heart rate up and get some of the benefits of just general exercise going can really be a great way to decrease stress. You know, also just the positive effects of feeling like I did something to kind of move myself forward is another great way to decrease stress. And then if you end that with um, a Shavasana with some sort of guided meditation or pranayama uh, exercise, that can be a really wonderful package for, for someone uh, who is coming to you saying they have a lot of stress. The other thing, you know, for this particular type of student is to ask them what kinds of aspects of their practice they want to focus on. You know, if there are some poses they want to learn, that can be a really good way to shore up their self-confidence to make them feel like they're doing something really active and they're achieving something. Uh, so this would be a good person to kind of get some feedback from them in terms of what kinds of things do you want to work on. So I hope these scenarios have been helpful for you. You know, I think again, you know, the more of a solid foundation you have in anatomy, the more you'll be able to create customized sequences for people and the less you'll have concerns about walking into situations where you've never met this person and you're going to be teaching them one-on-one -on -one, uh, and, and you'll have the confidence because you'll know that, you know, there's not much that the person can present with that you're not going to at least have some familiarity with. So I would love to know what you thought about this conversation. And I'd love to know uh, if you are seeing uh, anyone one-on-one -on -one for yoga sessions, do you have any questions about the sequencing you're offering? You know, if there is a particular scenario that you'd like to share, I'd love to hear about it. That also brings me to another thought I wanted to share with you all in closing. And that is I'm looking for teachers to interview for the podcast. And I'd love it to be somebody who is having a particular uh, question or series of questions around anatomy, or perhaps they want to um, uh, discuss certain questions they have around maybe a business idea or opportunities they want to develop for their yoga teaching, maybe someone who is kind of emerging from this pandemic phase, ready to kind of get back out there and teaching in person, but unsure really how to approach that. These are just some ideas. So if any of these ideas are things that you uh, can relate to or scenarios that you're currently living in <laughs> under with, uh, contact me and just let me know a little bit about what's going on with you or questions you have about anatomy. And I'd love to, you know, see if I can get you on the podcast for a quick, maybe 15, 20 minute conversation. Keep in mind, I, you know, 
I love to do this because I feel like we are all sort of isolated as yoga teachers now more than ever because a lot of the studios are closed temporarily or unlimited uh, opening or like studios that I taught for, they're closed for good. So, you know, this is a chance to hear from other teachers and, and to just start to get some conversation going uh, around topics that if you're having a question about it, I bet you somebody else is too. So you can DM me on Instagram with any um, thoughts you have about joining me here on the podcast. I'd love to hear from you and we can talk about it that way. And in closing, 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 really closing this episode out, I want to just remind you that um, at the beginning of this episode, I talked about a mini offer to learn anatomy, not so much by learning the lessons and going through my signature program, the Blueprint Learning Program. Instead, though, investing in my mini program called the Practice Portal. I talked at length about that at the start. If you are interested in that, the um, uh, link to check out the offer is right on my homepage, which is barebonesyoga.com. And you'll see the link to the practice portal. So I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I would love to know anything that came up for you when you were listening. So send me a DM on Instagram and let me know what you think. Have a really good week. And I'll talk to you next week, next Monday on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. Namaste. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my mentorship program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.